Welcome to episode number 229 of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. I am your host, Mike Mason, and this is the show where I get to know the creators of certified and bona fide good stuff for kids and families. And today's show is all about Mr. Rogers, and in particular, it's about the brand new record, Thank You, Mr. Rogers, Music and Memories, which is produced by Dennis Scott. And I talked to Dennis Scott about a lot of different things because he has had an incredible career and it was so cool to hear all of his background and and some of his stories and, and how much he knows and loves Mr. Rogers' music. And that song that you just heard, well, I'm sure you know that it's uh, it's such a good feeling. That's the name of the song, of course, and we know that one from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. But that performance is by Kelly Pickler. And if you don't know Kelly Pickler, she was a contestant on American Idol. And I think she came in like sixth place. Like that's no 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 joke. There's other really noteworthy artists who contributed to this record, including Vanessa Williams, Tom Bergeron, Jim Brickman, Kelly Pickler, who I mentioned, uh, the Cowsills. Do you know the Cowsills? I, I had to be taught who the Cowsills were, and I'm embarrassed to say that I had to be taught that, but they were the they're the group that the Partridge family is modeled after. And Rita Wilson, who is married to Tom Hanks, and Tom Hanks, of course, is going to be in the Mr. Rogers movie that comes out in just a couple weeks. So it was so cool to talk to Dennis Scott about, about what inspired him to make this record and and what it was like to to have artists like this uh come and be a part of it and of course if you listen all the way to the end of the episode you can hear kelly's version of it's such a good feeling from the album thank you mr rogers music and memories and i hope you listen all the way through because not only did dennis scott put this record together but he has done so much so much amazing work uh that has most definitely touched the lives of your family. For example, he was talking about some work that he did on Sesame Street and just so happens that one of the songs uh, that he helped to create, it was like formative in my childhood. So I, th- I can't thank Dennis enough. And it's, so if it's formative for me, then it was formative for my kids. And of course, Mr. Rogers is formative for so many of us, not just in the music and the TV show, but in the message and who he was and how he was. So... Here he is. Here's Dennis Scott talking about this incredible new record. Thank you, Mr. Rogers. Music and memories. Stay tuned all the way to the end of the show to hear Kelly Pickler's take on It's Such a Good Feeling. Thank you for listening. Talk to you at the end of the show. Okay. It is, uh, it's a great rainy day. Although a rainy day, it is still a really great day. Um, it is my pleasure to welcome Dennis Scott to the Good Stuff Kids podcast. Dennis, how are you? Great. Thanks for having me here. It is uh, it's great to be in your neighborhood. Uh, oh, well, well done. What a great lead-in. Um, so we are talking, I mean, we should be talking about any number of things. And we'll, we're going to get to to some of uh, some of the, the highlights of, of things that you've done. Um, but we should say right out of the gate that uh, we're talking here because you are 
the the mastermind i think is the best way to put it behind the thank you mr rogers music and memories record that came out by my count about four days ago if today's uh, october 29th it came out on the 25th is that right that's right. It's our four-day anniversary. Oh, uh, happy, <laughs> happy anniversary! Celebrate with. Yeah, I don't know. It wouldn't last. Here we are. <laughs> I don't. You know the uh, the ten-year anniversary or like the five-year anniversary. I think is like a piece of wood or something. So I can, you know, four-day anniversary maybe is like a, a rubber band or like a grain of salt. I don't know, but what. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a big big deal. So so Dennis, you you've been uh, you've been a player in the uh, the kids and music kids and family music industry for for a while, and you you've done a lot of things. And I just I would love to hear you know before we get into some of some of your accomplishments, just what what's your background as as a musician or a producer or composer or you know how did you get your start in the music industry? Well, it depends on how far back you want to go. Uh, I will go. I will go all the way back, however far you want to go. Well, to be honest, um, I started out as a child actor. I was on Broadway when I was seven years old in a in a Noel Coward musical, and then I went on to do some television commercials and some TV shows. Some some that you might have heard of. Uh, uh, there was a show called Route sixty six and. I was on a Sammy Davis special, and and then I was in a production of The Music Man with Eddie Albert, who was the star of the Green Acres TV series, and then another version of that with Burt Parks, who uh, was the host of the Miss America pageant for years and years. So all that to say, um, I had that theatrical background, but was a, loved music even then, and was probably more bookable as a singer or a singing kid because that's what I my forte was and uh, the transition to full-time musician came years later when I decided that um, the acting career was not for me and I uh, ended up going to high school and starting a, a, a band and we played Beatles music and uh, that eventually led to songwriting which led to well I think I'm getting ahead of myself, but that led to a, an introduction to working for Sesame Street and producing my first album for them. And at that point, um, I knew that the children's music industry was where I wanted to be. So, so it's amazing to uh, to get to talk to someone who sort of lived the showbiz life, um, you know, from from a from a young age and. I mean, it's fascinating to me, right? We we only hear, right? And when I say we, I mean the general public hears the stories of people like uh, those who flame out, right? Those who had success at a young age who who don't sort of find their niche. And it's really refreshing and good for all of us to hear from you who, you know, I don't know you well, but I know you well enough to know that you you sound pretty well adjusted and and like you got your feet under you and your head's on straight. So that's uh thank you for for setting us straight that that it is possible to grow up with a career in show business and and come out feeling real good. Um, so you, well, so, my recollection was even as a, a young kid, I I said you know when my parents asked what do you want to be, I said well I want to be an actor at night and I want to be a veterinarian during the day. So. <laughs> I think I knew instinctively that I needed something to fall back on. Um, <laughs> and maybe I would have been a veterinarian had my 10th grade biology teacher said, 
you, you don't have the grades for this. <laughs> oh no, the harsh real the harsh realities of schoolwork. It it is not it is not to, to be taken lightly. So you exactly you've got a lot. I, I mean, I'm looking at um, I'm looking at. I'll be honest. I'm looking at a sheet, and on the sheet it says that there's several. You know, I just think it's really cool, and and folks should know some of the stuff that you've done. You've you've won a Grammy, um, two Grammys actually, um, which in my yeah. mind is like the pinnacle. Um, what what were your Grammy awards for? Well, the first one was for that Sesame Street album that I was alluding to a few minutes earlier, um, and if your listeners are interested in this, um, it's kind of a my my story is that um, when I went to Sesame Street, I had I had worked on one other children's project, and I brought it to them, and they said, "Well, this looks interesting." And and the at the time, Sesame Street had a record label, their own record label, mm. and the man who was the president of that kind of took me under his wing, and he said, "If you want, you can come in here. We have a project on the on the books that we'd like to do, but we need." someone to help us find celebrity artists to be on the album. And it was a Sesame, a country themed Sesame street album. So I went in, I wasn't paid. I went in, I put on my tie and my jacket and I got my Sesame street badge and I went in every day and I worked from their offices and I started making calls to put together this album, which uh, ended up getting Glenn Campbell, Tanya Tucker, Loretta Lynn and Crystal Gale to be the artist on it. And at that point, the the gentleman who was the president said, well, okay, do you want to produce it? And I had never officially produced an album before. I had produced my own little demos of songs that I was writing, but I had never gone, been professionally hired to do something like that. So I had to learn very quickly. I mean, this is a long-winded answer to your question, but that was that was the first Grammy that I received for doing that album. And then years later uh, came another Mr. Rogers project, which I felt it was. I don't know if you do you want to know how that happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I think that uh, this is critical, right? It, it it all sort of you know funnels down into where you are now, um, and and I think that you know. I'll be selfish and say that I am sort of on on the edge of my seat here listening to to this stuff. I think everyone's everyone's story is different and the way that people come to things are all very different. And I love the fact that you said right out of the gate that uh, this first project that you worked on for Sesame Street was unpaid. So I, I just think that that's so phenomenal. And uh, to to hear that you were driven by the passion to create and to make this project and to make quality kids stuff uh, and that has sort of been the the motto through your career so absolutely we're interested well I do appreciate you saying that I do I, I felt from an early stage that uh, a lot of the children's music was very juvenile and the the musical production values were left something to be desired and I said why, to myself why can't we have the same quality and the same sophistication of the music that we play for kids as we do for adults, and that's kind of been my motto throughout. So, um, when it came to the Mr. Ro- sec- the Mr. Rogers project, the first one that I worked on, I was already somewhat established as somebody who worked in the children's music industry, and 
it was just serendipitous that uh, I was watching a rerun of Mr. Rogers' show on TV you know, during lunch. It was, they were rerunning it during the day, and he was singing a charming song that I was not familiar with, and it piqued my interest, and I, I wondered who wrote that, and I found out, well, it was Fred Rogers that wrote that. And then later on, I learned that he wrote over 200 songs for his show, and it made me curious as to whether anybody else had ever covered his songs besides himself, and I learned that nobody had, and that, to me, it, uh, it was just a lightning rod that said, this is something that has to be done, mm -hmm. and I don't see anybody else doing it, so I guess I need to do it. Yeah. Um... And I started putting together that project, which uh, we can talk about that if you want, but in a nutshell, it was a two-year labor of love that required me getting permission and the blessing from the Fred Rogers folks, as well as getting all the artists accumulated. And now there were 12 artists on the album, which mm -hmm. was, was the math, uh, three times the work, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yes, definitely. Which is pretty good, considering I didn't do well in math. <laughs> I, I'm very and, impressed. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh -huh. And... Uh, and that album went on to win a Grammy as well. So uh, it was very rewarding, not so much for the fact that I won a Grammy, but, but when I presented the final product to uh, the Mr. Rogers folks, including Joanne Rogers, who is his, uh, his widow, I was a little nervous as to how it would be received because these are little gems, these treasures of songs that he wrote, and they were very protective and very concerned about how they will be honored and uh, when Joanne Rogers heard it she said I love the album and Fred would have loved it too and that was really all I needed to hear yeah absolutely um and it's just I mean you 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 said that he had record you know he had written over 200 songs I had no idea so as I'm well you know learning about the record and learning about you and learning about Mr. Mr. Rogers. It's just so, um, you know, he, he is a beloved institution, right? And we're going to get into that and, and sort of d dive deep into that in, in just a couple minutes. But I, I think that to, uh, to feel moved to, or maybe less moved, but pulled in the direction that you, you had to do the project really shows that, uh, the passion that you have for it. Um, so, you know, before we before we move on to the new record, you, I mean, I, I just looking at the the names of folks that you've gotten to work with, you know, Faith Hill, um, Gilbert Gottfried, I would love to know a little bit about that. I don't know if now is the time, but uh, the Charlie yeah. Daniels band, some folks that have been on this podcast before, uh, Sharon and Brom um, of Sharon, Lois oh, and yeah. Brom, and um, mm -hmm. Allison Krauss, uh, who, you know, who is just incredible, and uh, Dan Crow, who's also been on this podcast. So you've written, oh, yeah. you've written music for, for TV um, and lots of different things that, that people probably know. A lot of work with Disney. Um, you worked on Skinamarink TV, with, which is Sharon, Lois, and Brom. Um, 
just so many, so many amazing things. And, and I, I feel honored to be able to talk to someone that's had such an impact on, uh, on this side of the music industry because it's Good golly, uh, you're a, you are my new best friend. Oh man, I, I'm ha- I will happily be your best friend. If I can say that, that we're best friends, I'd be very happy. Um, so well, do I, you, it's, nice, it's nice to see my life flashing before my, Oh, that, it is not intentional, right? I'm, I'm trying to be conscious of that too. No, I'm no, like, no, I, we I we're going to, yeah. So do, what was the name of the, uh, do you remember the name of the Sesame street record just off the, the top of your head? Because I grew up listening to all of those. Um, Oh my! Well, the one the one that I worked on that yeah. won the Grammy Award was uh, called Sesame Country. Uh-huh. In fact, um, I believe it's being re-released through yeah. Warner Brothers, which has new children's divisions starting up. Right. So, so okay. So, I, I, just to be totally transparent with the listeners, I just pulled up my Spotify and I'm looking at Sesame Street Country. The Last Cookie Roundup is a formative song from my youth. Um, Oh Let's, no! The, <laughs> oh no! That's the best. Um, oh, no, I mean, I mean, oh yes. <laughs> oh yes, and uh, Sesame Jamboree. I know this record. This is an incredible record. Um, so I uh, thank you, thank you for being a part of my life before today when we became best friends. It's a great day. Oh um, wow! <laughs> I'm I'm so glad. That that record is a part of your life. Yeah, it certainly was in mine. Yeah, um, I, 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 sounds like it. Sounds like that was the. Uh, that that sort of was sort of the launching pad in a way in a sort of a stretch of a way to to take us to to this brand new record which is called thank you mr rogers music and memories and i i think the way to frame this right so we're talking october 29th and you're you're in nashville is that correct yes i yes. moved here from new york a number of years ago okay so so nashville in november right which is about three days away there. Do you want to mm-hmm. say what, what's going on in Nashville in, in November that pertains to this project? Well, um, last, uh, just this past Friday, the mayor of Nashville declared, uh, that day, which coincides with the official release date of this new Mr. Rogers album as Nashville's thank you, Mr. Rogers day, which is the springboard for a month long celebration of Fred, which we're calling thank you, Mr. Rogers month. And we're anticipating any day or any moment um, that uh, a senator is going to be declaring Mr. Rogers Month and either doing a a proclamation from the floor of the Senate or or a document that outlines it. But um, we're inviting everybody to celebrate celebrate Fred in the best way that we can, which is probably just to follow what he said, which was be kind. Mm-hmm. And and that's the major message um, of Mr. Rogers, and it's it, it is a uh, is is a particularly um, interesting time in the the life of of Fred, or not the life that is a wrong way to say it, but just in the the pervasiveness of Fred Rogers in the uh, in the national conscious because there's the movie with Tom Hanks coming out, um, and then there's yep. the the record that you're putting out now um in addition to a documentary i believe which i haven't i will I that will, was it, a big success yeah mm-hmm. i would admit i have not seen it but everyone says i should however i am uh uh man you're also my psychologist today i uh, i i just don't know if i have the tears in me <laughs> to watch the movie and have that oh. just this like epic emotional reaction um so well there 
It'll be happy tears. Happy tears. Okay, great. Um, happy tears are, are, are okay. Okay. So so this new record, now it's time to get into to the new record. Um, and and okay. I'm curious, I think this can kind of go hand in hand with explaining what the role of a producer is for a project like this. So for example, we'll take the very, very first song, which is likely the the most well-known Fred Rogers composition, Won't You Be My Neighbor, by an artist called artists called the Cowsills, which I didn't know. But I'll, if you could actually give a little bit of their backstory, because it's fascinating. And um, I think that you'll be able to, to give the story a little bit better than I will. And then your role in, in putting the song together and how you produced it. Well, um, the, I, obviously, if you look at this album, you'll see lots of different names of artists. And uh, we were that's exactly what we wanted. We wanted to have an eclectic group of people recording Fred's songs, each one different, and having each of the songs done in a different way, because in my viewpoint, the mark of a good song is one that can be arranged and performed in various styles. And uh, with these different artists who each have their own inimitable style, we were able to accomplish that. And the Cowsills were a, a, a most recognizable name during the music of the 60s, they had th- three really big, big hits. Um, and some some of the names you might not recognize, but if you hear them, somewhere, somewhere along the line, you've heard these songs. Um, their first big hit was a song called The Rain, The Park, and Other Things, which is one of these songs, you never hear that those words mentioned in the song itself. <laughs> so it holds that distinction as well. Um, but... Um, they were, they were a family group. They were, um, it was, uh, I forget how many brothers and sisters there were, but even the mother became part of the group, which this became the springboard for the uh, TV series called The Partridge Family, which starred David Cassidy in it and Shirley Jones, who is a you know well-known figure in film and, and theater. And But it was all because of the castles and you know, their notoriety that caused that to happen. And uh, if your listeners are interested, if they look up the Cowsills, I think there's a documentary that came out about them, and they they have a very interesting life story. Um, so I encourage people to do that. Did I, I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, so that's that's an example of, of giving the artist a little bit of the free reign to, to put their, their mark on... The song. Um, I I am so tempted to go uh, sort of track by track, but I think the the ones that I'd love to hear a bit more about um, are uh, you know you you got to work with Mickey Dolans from the Monkees, which is really cool, and then also Rita Wilson, uh, who happens to be uh, Tom Hanks's wife. So it's they they have a double dose of of Fred Rogers going on in their lives now. So. And sure. Vanessa, Vanessa Williams, who I, you know, also know about. The, how did you get the fo- How did you get these gets? I guess this is this the most direct way to ask the question. Well, if you were here with me, I would show you my yellow legal pad, which has, um, I don't know how many pages are in a legal pad, but this one is filled from the beginning to the end and double spaced on each line is an artist, and it's an artist everywhere from Lady Gaga to whoever else you want to think of. 
and there's almost practically no one in this music industry that I didn't reach out to. And uh, obviously, there were only 12 artists that ended up on the album, and there are lots of reasons for that. Most of the time, it's because of their schedules, and um, sometimes it's because of they're committed to another record label and they're not permitted to do something else. There are all sorts of reasons. And I like to think that the people that we ended up with are the people who really wanted to be on the album. And, uh, and luckily all the stars aligned for them to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the other one that I'd like to hear a bit about, which is because the song is so interesting and really reflects the, um, the artist is it's such a good feeling uh, with, with with Kelly Pickler, who I believe was on was it American Idol and, and Dancing with the Stars. She was on both. Is that right? Yeah, I believe you're right about that. Yeah. So what yeah, was? Um, go ahead. No, I was just going to say. So she put a little bit of a of a country country spin on the song. So how much how much direction are you giving in that situation? Are you just kind of letting her? choose the the feel that she wants to go for and then just saying i think this would be a good fit for this song with your style like let her rip because it came out great well i'm, I'm glad you feel that way uh most of these songs um i really had a strong hand in at least suggesting the style for them and what what could be done with them because obviously they're they're very different from the way fred performed them as as well they should be because you know, there's only one Fred Rogers, and he was do- working for a specific audience for his TV show. But we have a little bit more uh, liberty to to take chances with the songs for this project. And in Kelly Pickler's case, uh, obviously, I I was familiar with her work, and I kind of immersed myself in her songs and her style and her her vocal quality, and um, I felt that we could do something that sort of was a blend of Americana and country with a little rock overtones that would be kind of a rallying cry for the album because it's it's upbeat and it's fun. And she just puts a whole different spin on it. Uh, so I I actually used Nashville musicians, um, some of the you know, best players we have down here, to record it. And we you know, created an arrangement and... When you're working with national musicians, you have to all you have to do is say go, and the greatest things just come out. Yeah, <clears throat> sure. Um, well, it's great. So, so- uh, and when you know, I, I sent Kelly as I did most of them. I sent most of the artists. I sent a, a demo, just kind of indicating where I wanted to take the song, and uh, everybody seemed happy with the way it was going. Yeah. So what the the record's been out. Uh, for about four days. I'm just curious what the response has been. What have folks been telling you about it? So far, we're getting great thumbs up. Uh, um, we have a, a young gentleman who's actually uh, worked as my associate producer on, on the pro- project. His name is Jonathan Pushkar, and he also is heading up our social media campaign. And I think we're getting all sorts of views and hits, and everybody is clamoring for more so mm-hmm. we must be doing something right i guess i think you're definitely doing something right you're doing these songs uh 
you're doing them right, I guess. You're doing them justice. Uh, they, they, the record sounds great. It is crystal clear. You can hear everything that's going on. It's it's so interesting to hear the different voices and the different takes on the records. Um, and and I, before I before we we totally wrap up here, I also think it, it is a we would not be uh, I would not be doing my job if I didn't hear a little bit about what I think is the world's greatest band name. So you've spent a lot of time working in the kids and music side of things, and you mentioned your love of the Beatles, um, but you also have a, a Beatles cover band, which has the greatest oh. name, the Wanna Beatles. And yes. I listened to it. I watched some clips. It's awesome. What? Tell me a little bit about this side of you, this, this, this different side of you, I think. Oh, my goodness. Well, <clears throat> in high school, I mentioned I had a, a band, and uh, we played an abundance of Beatles songs. And I, you know, like a lot of people, when the Beatles came out, it, if you're a musician, uh, you became a musician because of the Beatles. You, you heard that sound, and all of a sudden you had to run out and buy a guitar because they were writing the most incredible songs and, uh, and performing them in a fresh way. And I got caught up in all of that and uh, have been that way ever since. I, I, and I, well, I, I, I'm also a working musician. So I was living in Nashville and playing a gig at a, believe it or not, a Mexican restaurant with uh, three other guys and just not playing Beatles songs necessarily, but just playing jazz songs and whatever came to mind and one day I said hey guys let's let's do a Beatles song and all of a sudden brought back a flood of memories for me and not only me but the people who were guests there and in the audience we saw this tremendous reaction I thought you know why don't we why don't we do more of this and I approached the club owner or the restaurant owner and I said how about a Beatles night and he said CC Beatles and fajitas <laughs> And so it, that's how the Wanna Beatles got born. And we ended up, we thought it was just, oh, we'll play at this restaurant. But as we did more of it, more opportunities availed themselves. And we've been on, we actually have been on national television. And you probably know that the group uh, was nominated for a Grammy Award because we, under my auspices, we produced an album of interviews with Beatles fans from all over the country, oh, who cool. people that we would meet, telling their incredible stories about the Beatles and how they almost met them and you know all the things they went through. And we even got some celebrity artists to tell their stories as well and how they were just as big a Beatles fan as everyday fans. And uh, our, our story is that we went to the Grammys and we walked the red carpet and we got to the the awards ceremony and they said and the winner is Betty White and we lost to Betty White because she had an audio book out that year oh. and uh, <laughs> that, oh, no. and because we're all writers in the group we wrote a song called the Betty White song which is on <laughs> one of our album of original tunes wow so oh. but I kind of uh, skirted off your original question but the answer is uh I tell people that being in a Beatles band is probably one of the best gigs I've ever had because it's just 
it makes you feel good. It makes you feel young, and it makes you just feel that everything's right with the world. You can be having a, a crummy day, but when you're hearing a Beatles song, all of a sudden, everything feels good. Yeah, I mean, I, there's... <laughs> The, there's something that happens chemically in people's brains when they hear the beginning of I want to hold your hand There's or eight days a week or these songs that are like I don't know I don't know how to gold plate a piece of music but th- it is just the best stuff ever written so my my this is an obnoxious Beatles related question but do the Wanna Beatles ever cover Tomorrow Never Knows from Revolver uh that boy, I wish I hope my drummer is listening to this because <laughs> this is the song he's been after us. We've been together twelve years now, and he's been after us to play that song. He wants us to play that song. It's yeah, and uh, and to be honest, I mean, in my hierarchy of my favorite Beatles songs, it's probably not as high as others. But, <laughs> That's um, fair. <laughs> but we know that eventually he's going to win this because he we have to keep him happy. Uh huh. Got to got to give it to the drummer. Got to give it to the drummer occasionally, um, because that is. I think. I mean, I have theories about this song. I think it's like the beginning of like, you know, sort of this, uh, um, like, techno's the wrong word, but like this, just like beats and creating beats and making music around beats. Like, I have no idea what happened in the studio, but that's sort of like. I imagine these like these like scientists, right, putting the song together, and it's just so cool. Um, so I, I'm Isn't with. Isn't that the one where they're playing the drums backwards? I think, I think so. Is. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's. Uh, but I want to make a correlation between Beatles and Mr. Rogers because um, <clears throat> people may think that Mr. Rogers' songs are juvenile and you know just for nursery rhyme type of songs, and they're really not. They are so much more. They're so much more sophisticated than meets the eye or even the ear. Uh, I feel that way about Beatles songs. If you listen to some of their early songs, some people say, oh, well, that's so, you know, bubblegummy or bouncy. But really, there are things... I, I've listened to I Want to Hold Your Hand at least 20 times with the band. Every time we listen, we find something else that we didn't know. We find a, a passing chord that was always there and we just didn't hear it and um and that's so so true of most Beatles songs it, the and it's also true of mr rogers now that i'm uh, listening to his work more carefully i really appreciate uh the fact that he was a, a consummate and very meticulous man when it came to writing lyrics as well as writing melody and, and chords and he does a lot of very clever things that if you're a songwriter, you you your eyes really open up. You say, "Wow, did you hear what he, hear what he did there? Mm-hmm. He took that little alliteration of that sentence, and then he uses it again three sentences down later, and then he flips it around and and he knew what he was doing. He really did. He was a great musician. Yeah, and and I think it's so. In addition to the lyrics, like. Talk about someone who knows themselves, right? Like that's something that that is very clear about Mr. Rogers. He really knew himself, right? Like we we hear the stories. Uh, he weighed 143 pounds his whole life because it, the number one stood for I, four stood for love, like the letters in the word, and three stood for you, um, the the letters in the word. And mm-hmm. how well do you know yourself when you can create a song that like it it pers it. it 
the music personifies who you are and the the spirit with which you want to be seen in the world and the spirit you want to put out into the world. And I think to capture that on this record, which you all did, is is really you, you did you did right, you did great, you did well by the uh, the legacy of Mister Rogers. So thank you for that. Oh well, good golly, what an honor to be working with his music. Uh, Sandy Patty, who's uh, on the album, and she's a well-respected Christian uh, artist. In fact, people refer to her as the voice because uh-huh. she has an incredible voice. And she really nailed it when she we were talking. She said, Mr. Rogers understood the power of music and understood that it could be an incredible educational tool, not just for kids, but for adults on yet another level. And that's the beauty of mm-hmm. of his work, and that's the beauty of a great song that can appeal universally to people. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Dennis, if we wanted to learn more about the record, or more about you, or, or get our get our ears on the record, what's the best way for us to do that? Well, uh, our website is a pretty good tool. It's it's evolving as as more information comes in and reviews and letters from people will be including that as well and uh, if you go to www.thankyoumrrogers and Mr. is spelt out so it's thankyoumrrogers.com you also have the opportunity to share a Mr. Rogers memory with us and there's a place for you to do that we are collecting those and you never know there might be another Mr. Rogers album a slightly different one but one that might be coming out in the next year or the years to come because I I do believe that people need a way to to thank him, which is in part why we named the album Thank You, Mr. Rogers. But uh, everybody uh, who we talk to has a, a, an, an interesting either reflection or memory or even a direct experience with Fred Rogers because mm-hmm. Fred took careful... Um, he was very careful to respond to people personally. He kept a file of all their letters, and he hand-wrote notes to people, strangers. Wow. That's how much he cared. Wow. Well, it's... it's... Getting back, and as far as, uh, I mean, you're welcome to go to my website, which is dennisscott.net, but um, and we'll, maybe the, we'll put something on the about me on uh, the Mr. Rogers website so people don't have to go to two different places. But um, I really appreciate people um, visiting the website and if they listen, they can listen to samples of the album there. They can even order it from there if they like. But um, if if they're like what they're hearing, um, please let us know and tell your friends. You can do a hashtag, thank you, Mr. Rogers. Or you can, if you're a Facebook person, I think you can do at thank you Mr. Rogers and help us get the word out because we we really want Fred's music to be as important and as respected as are some of the films and other things that are going on as well great well so the record is thank you Mr. Rogers um, and I want to thank you Dennis for everything that you've done in all the the facets and aspects that that we've talked about it was great talking to you and getting to know you thank you so much for your time 
Well, likewise, let's have coffee sometime. That sounds awesome. All right, I'm in. Yep, I definitely want to have coffee with Dennis. That would be pretty cool. If I'm ever in Nashville, Dennis, we're going to we're going to hang out because I have a lot to learn from you as everyone who's listening to this just learned an immense amount and it doesn't end there. So thank you so much for putting this amazing compilation together. Thank you, Mr. Rogers. It's it's out now wherever you get your music and uh you know, I think uh the more Mr. Rogers in our lives, the better. You can't really argue with that. It's just the way it is. And with that in mind, here is a classic Mr. Rogers song. It's such a good feeling. And it's um, this, this version is performed by Kelly Pickler. Thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you. And by we, I mean I will talk to you very soon. Of course, for all the old episodes, go to goodstuffpod.com. All the past guests are there for free for you. Check it out. Email me, mike at goodstuffpod.com. Here is Kelly Pickler's take on It's Such a Good Feeling.